All right, good evening, everybody. You want to go ahead and find your places? We will go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Get you out of here at a reasonable time. If you got your Bibles tonight, you want to follow along. Uh, we're going to be in one verse, and that is Romans twelve thirteen. And the title of our lesson tonight is Pursue Hospitality. You know, a couple things before I get started. One of the things I love about Romans is if you go back to some of the earlier chapters, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you just, the theology there is higher and deeper. You learn things about God that are just incredible. But one of the things that Romans will never let you get away from is that you are saved, you are chosen, but God has saved you and chosen you for something, for a purpose. And it isn't just to get to heaven. That he's got something here, some practical things that he's going to ask us to do uh, before that time comes. And we're going to see one of those uh, tonight. Now, you know, I'm, I'm always a little bit hesitant with lessons like this. Because I can guarantee you, if I, if I threw up a title that said, Pursue Holiness, everybody would be like, yeah, man, let's, we're going to get into it tonight, right? We're going, we're going to talk about holiness. But then you throw up Pursue Hospitality, and they're like, okay, how's he going to get 40 minutes out of this, right? I mean, but what I want you to see tonight is that hospitality is much, much more important than you've probably ever thought. So hopefully we'll learn a few things about it tonight. So let's begin. I want to read it in two, uh, two translations. First, in the ESV, the English Standard Ver- Version, it says this, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The New English Translation says this, contribute to the needs of the saints and pursue hospitality. Now, one of the great issues of every Christian's life, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, I don't care what age you are, I don't care if you live in the 2000s or the 1800s or the 1500s, one of the great issues that every Christian has to deal with and face in their life is how we think and feel about our money and about our uh, possessions. If you go back to the Gospels, and you just read the Gospels. What you'll find in the Gospels, I don't remember, I think one time I studied, I did a study through all the parables. And I believe over half the parables deal with money or possessions. Over half of them. Jesus talked about this subject all the time. He just, he wouldn't get away from it. Let me give you a few examples. Luke twelve fifteen, Jesus said, take care. And be on your guard against covetousness. Be on your guard against wanting things that you don't have. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of what they have. So many people today think that life is all about getting more stuff and more stuff and better stuff. And Jesus is saying that's not life at all. That's not life. Listen, rich people commit suicides at the same rate as poor people. Rich people are just as unhappy, if not more unhappy, because they got everything they want and it didn't do anything for them. And they're just as unhappy as poor people. Your life does not consist in the things that you, that you own. It, it, that's not life at all. And Jesus said, be very careful of the danger of wanting things that you don't have. Because in that, you can, you can fall into the trap of thinking, well, that will make me happy. If I just get one more thing... If I just get this, I'll be happy. And Jesus said, that's a trap. That's a, that's a danger. Matthew 16, 26, one we all know. What will it profit a man 
if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul. Matthew 6, 24, you cannot, Jesus said, serve God in money. Listen, a lot of people trying to do it. A lot of people got one foot planted on the God side and one foot planted on the money side. And they, they think, I can do both. And Jesus said, that is not possible. You will either serve God or you'll serve your money. It's one or the other. You cannot serve them both. If you get out of the Gospels and you move into the New Testament, and you begin to look at the Apostles' letters. The Apostles carried this same theme. I'll give you the Apostle Paul in his letter to 1 Timothy. It said this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The Apostle John said this in 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the the world. I, I felt prompted to kind of say something about this. I don't think there's anything wrong with having pride a certain way. For example, a craftsman that that builds something should take pride in what they build. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking pride in your home and and making sure your home is kept up and your yard is kept up. I don't think there's anything wrong with those kind of things. Where you run into danger is when you begin to think those things make you better than somebody else. Because I've got this, I'm better than you are. Because this is true, I'm be- that's where the danger comes. Just being taking pride in keeping up your things and the things that you build, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. But just remember those things, that, what did Jesus say? Your life doesn't consist in what you have. So just be care- very careful of that. Now here's the question. Jesus talked about it all the time. The disciples talked about it all the time. Over half of his parables deal with money and possessions. Why? Was it such a big deal? Why was it so important to those men? Well, Jesus answered this question in Matthew 6. He said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in to steal. Instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. And we know what's coming next, right? For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You see, folks, how we handle our money and possessions, and by the way, this includes your home, and we're going to talk about this a little later. How you handle what God has given you is the measurement of what you truly value in this life. There's nothing wrong with having a home. There's nothing wrong with having things. It's how you handle those things, what you do with those things, that shows where your heart really is. Now, with that said, I think we'd all agree, right, that Christians, more than anybody else, should be the most generous and the most hospitable people that exist on the face of the earth. Now, the question is, are we? Are we the most generous people? Are we the most hospitable people? I want to talk about that tonight. And to do that, I'm going to ask and answer four questions, if you will. Okay, here's the four questions. Question number one is this, is giving and hospitality, is being generous and hospitable really that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal? Is it something the Bible says, you know what, it'd be great if you could do that, but you know, if you don't get around to it, it's not that big a deal. 
Is that how the Bible looks at it, or does the Bible make a big deal out of it? How important is it really? Number two, what stops us as Christians from excelling or being excellent at generosity and hospitality? What, what holds us back from being generous givers? What holds us back from opening up our home to others? Number three, how do you break free into the liberty? And I use that word purposefully. How do you break? Because in generosity and hospitality, there is freedom. There is absolute freedom to become a generous giver. If you're not, if you're not that kind of a person, how do you break free and become that kind of person? Then number four, we'll close with this. What are the rewards of being a generous giver and a hospitable uh, Christian? We'll look at that last. So here's question number one. Is giving and hospitality crucial to the Christian life? Once again, is, does the Bible think this, I mean, this is super important, or is it just, yeah, you know what, if you get around to it, if you can find time to do it, it'd be great, but I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. What does the Bible say about giving and hospitality? Now, we've already seen scriptures, right? We know the scriptures. We've already seen what Jesus said. We've already seen uh, what the apostle says. We also know that the early church caught this vision. Let me read you from Acts chapter 4. It says, all this, it says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. Now watch this. And they felt. Notice this isn't just something that's in their head. It's in their heart. Remember what I said. What, what is the issue that faces us? We, we know what the Bible says to do. That's not the problem. What do we feel about our money? What do we really feel about our home? What, what, what's, what's our, what is our heart about those things? Well, their heart was, it says this, they felt, really felt, really believed that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For example, there was Joseph. He sold a field he owned and he brought the money to the Apostles. So the early church bought into that. They, they really thought and felt deep in their heart that the things that they owned really didn't belong to them. And so they freely shared. Paul is going around the Mediterranean. He's establishing all these churches. He's writing these letters. He's encouraging them. And he's teaching the same thing. For example, in Titus 3.14, says this, "...let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. See, what Paul says is when you're giving and you're helping people, you're being fruitful. The opposite of that is if you're not, you're being what? You're being unfruitful. So that's one of the fruits that we should be producing as Christians, those generous givers alleviating the needs of the saints. Ephesians 4.28, Paul says this, "...let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor." doing honest work with his hands so that he can support himself. Is that what it says? It's not what it says either. It says, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. In other words, the perspective of the Christian should not be, I work to have. It should be, I work to have to give. Randy Alcorn said this, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. And what about hospitality? See, the fact is, to be honest with you, I think it's a lot easier to write a check than it is to open your home. Giving's not that big a deal for many people because it's, 
it's kind of, it doesn't require a lot, right? You just give your money and you're done. Hospitality requires a whole different level. Now, if I ask most people here, can you quote one verse on hospitality? And it can't be Romans 12, 13, because that would be, that would be cheating. If I ask people, if, can you give me one verse on hospitality? Most people would probably give me Hebrews 13, 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So the Bible tells us that there are times when you're entertaining strangers that you need to be careful because people have been entertaining strangers and they entertained angels. Now that is an amazing thing, right? That's an amazing thing. But I'm going to give you some other things about entertaining that you may not know. For example, as important as it would be to entertain angels, did you know that Scripture teaches that hospitality to other brothers and sisters in Christ is entertaining God Himself? Did you know that? Jesus sent His disciples out in Matthew 10. Remember the 70 He sent out two by two? This is what He said, Whoever receives you, say it with me, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives Him who sent me. Whoever brings you into their home, whoever shares a meal with you, whoever gives to you is receiving Christ himself. I'll give you another did you know. Did you know that Jesus made hospitality one of the things that Christ will count at judgment day as evidence of whether or not we love Christ? Matthew 25 says this, Then the king, he's talking about the final harvest. When he, when he brings everybody in, he separates the sheep from the goats says this, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. And of course, they asked the question, Lord, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? And this is his answer. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of the brothers and sisters in Christ, you did it to me. You see, the fact is, when I entertain, when I open my home, when I give, when I, when I, to brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus said, you're doing it just like you're doing it to me. You are literally entertaining God. Let me give you another did you know. Did you know that hospitality is one of the qualifications to be an elder in the church. I doubt many of you knew that. First uh, Timothy 3.2 says this, Therefore an elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, able to teach, and then right there in that list is what? Hospitable. I mean, look at that list. First of all, you've got to be above reproach. I read one time many years ago of a church, and I thought this was awesome. They, they were selecting elders, and whenever they would install a new elder, before they would do it, they would put an ad in the newspaper. And in that ad, they would say, we are considering so-and-so for an elder position. Does anybody have anything against him? That's what it means. You're above reproach. Nobody has anything to say about, about, bad about you. Anybody want to do that? <laughs> you know? But that's what it says. It's above reproach. He's the husband of one wife. Sober-minded, self-controlled, able to teach, and hospitable. He's got to be willing to open his home to the brothers and sisters in Christ, to strangers. 
That's a, that's a qualification for an elder. Did you know this one? Hospitality is listed as one of the Christian virtues that is crucial in the last days. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9. Peter says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, and show hospitality to one another without grumbling. In the last days, he says, man, you know, be self-controlled, be sober-minded, pray, love one another, and oh yeah, show hospitality without grumbling. You know, one of the things that this tells us is this command is, is not just a command that you do to, to check something off a list. It's not something you say, well, I got you know, I to I, I have people over three times a year or seven times a year or five times or whatever. That's not what it's about at all. It's about doing it from the heart without grumbling. See, after all, listen, do you understand we were strangers to God? He had no relationship to us. He didn't know us. And yet he opened his family. He opened his home. He opened his coffers, if you will, to us. He did that. How much more should we do that for others? Hospitality is, is not so much a, a to-do list. It's not just a task as it is a way of life. It's something that comes out of a grateful heart in response to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Now, our scripture today, Romans 12, 13, literally says, pursue hospitality. Go after it. Seek it out. Find it. Hunt it down. Don't just sit around waiting for, you know, you know, for some opportunity to just drop out of the sky. Go looking for it. Remember we talked about the gifts of the Spirit a while back? And we said, stop, you know, stop waiting for the Lord to write something on the wall. Go look for opportunities to serve. Hospitality is the same way. Pursue it. Seek it. Go after it. Find it. See, again, this implies that hospitality is not something you do just at Thanksgiving. It's not something you do uh, once a year at Christmas. It is a constant attitude. It is a constant practice. As a Christian, we should always stand to be ready to open our homes to others. So this is the answer to my question. Are giving and hospitality crucial to the Christian life? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, 100%. Giving to the needs of the saints, showing hospitality is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. Question number two, what is it that prevents us from being these generous givers and showing hospitality? And there may be some people in here who are just super generous givers and you open your home all the time and that's great. But there are also probably people in here who are not generous givers and you don't open your home. So the question becomes, okay, what is it that stops us from excelling in these areas? Well, there are several things. And I'm not, this is by no means a complete list, but I'm going to give you a few reasons. First, I'm going to separate giving and hospitality. Let's talk first about giving. There are a few things that stop us from being generous givers. Number one is just, we're just oblivious sometimes. Okay, Some, for example, maybe you're somebody here, you had not been saved that long, and you're a different person. I mean, you used to steal, and now you don't steal anymore. And you look at that and think, man, I'm a new creature, a creation in Christ. I'm, I'm, I've changed 180 degrees. I used to steal from people, and now I, I don't. Let me tell you, that's great, but God doesn't stop there. 
God is calling you to a higher way of thinking. Don't just take what's not yours. You turn around and give others what is yours. That's the New Testament. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's when some people just don't know that they're supposed to be givers. The second thing is just carelessness. See, the fact is, I haven't told you anything tonight that you don't already know. We know what the Scriptures say. We know what uh, Christ asks us to do. And sometimes you'll come here tonight, like a lot of people, I've done it, where the, the preacher or the teacher will be talking about giving, and you think, man, i got, I got to be more of a giver. And you mean it. But somehow you get out and you, you go home and you, tomorrow you get up and you go to work and you get in the routine and it just kind of slides away, right? It, it doesn't have the, the urgency. We just get careless about doing what Christ asked us to do. But the New Testament says don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be careless. Give it your attention. Be thoughtful. Be intentional. Make a point of doing these things in your life. Another reason we don't be, or we're not generous givers is just out-and-out out greed. It's just greed. Greed, by the way, is the desire to have and keep more than we need. Let me say it again. Greed is the desire to have and keep more than we need. Now, let me say this about greed. God doesn't like it at all. Okay? He is, he is anti-greed, right? When, when Paul lists some of the people in the in first corinthians he lists a group of people that will not go to heaven he says these are the people that will not go to heaven he says this nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor revilers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of god you see you cannot be a christian whose heart god has poured out his love in your heart and be greedy you just it, those two can't coexist with one another. They just can't. So it's 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 easy for Paul to just say, if you're greedy, something's wrong. You've not been changed by the Spirit of God. If you're a, if you're a drunkard, th th there's something wrong. Some you've not been changed by the Spirit of God. So he just lists those. They're not going to heaven. They're not going to heaven. And, and the greedy is in that list. The last one, one of the reasons we don't is fear. One of the reasons we don't give is fear. By the way, fear is the other side of greed. Greed focuses on having more than you need. Fear focuses on not having enough. Fear is always worried, I'm not going to have enough. If I give this away, I'm not going to have enough. And so you're just scared, and so you hold on. By the way, they are both the result of a heart that does not trust God. Greed and fear... You can focus too much on, I want more, 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 or you can focus, I don't ever have enough. They same, both come out of the same heart that does not trust God to meet its needs. It is faithlessness. It's not faith. It's faithlessness. Now, what about hospitality? What keeps us from being hospitable? What keeps us from opening our homes? I'm going to give you the first one, and that's fear. I think it's fear. There's a lot of fears here. You know, uh, several years ago, <laughs> Kathy and I invited somebody to our house, a couple, and I don't know what time they got there, maybe 7, and at 12 o'clock, we're sitting there, and I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me, and I don't, I'm thinking, I don't know how to get them out of here. <laughs> They're not going to leave. I had hinted, and I had hinted, and I had hinted. They just didn't get none of them hints. 
And it wasn't a church member. It was actually my boss at the time in a company that I worked for. So I couldn't just say, hey, man, you got to go. But, um, but I think there's some of that fear, right? They'll take too much time if they come over. Fear that uh, if we don't really know them, the conversations will be awkward. What are we, what are we really going to talk about? Fear that your home doesn't measure up. Fear that, that they'll mess up your house, right? Uh, fear that, uh, you know, uh, it'll interfere with my life. I mean, let's be honest. Most of us love our home, right? The idea of going home and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, you can control it, right? You can go home, get on your sweatpants, jump in your recliner. You know, it's, 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 it's just controlled, right? You feel very comfortable there. Um, Having people over just kind of opens up a whole nother level. Fear that I might get caught up in something I can't get out of. What if, you know, what if they want to come back? You know, what if they call me the next day and start, I mean, there's all kind of things, right? Listen, the list can go on and on and on. So I think it's, that's really a fear. Our home is a place of peace and quiet and predictability. And by the way, hospitality can sometimes be unpredictable. It can be unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen when they come over. And that engenders uh, fear. Another thing is, listen, let's be honest, it involves work, right? You work all day, you're going to have somebody over, you got to clean the house, you got to cook the food, you got to, you know, you got to do all this stuff. I just, I just, I just don't want to do it, right? I just, I don't, I don't care about that. So it involves work. So again, many times it forces us all out of our comfort zone, out of the recliner, get rid of the remote, open your house up, and let's talk about um, some real life issues. Another one thing about hospitality, you know, hospitality is impossible to quantify. You think about that, right? It tells us, be hospitable. So you invite somebody over, you have dinner, and they go home, and you think, okay, what did I just accomplish for the kingdom? I don't know. You, you can't really quantify it. You can't say, well, I, did I encourage? I, I don't know. And sometimes we, you know, we, when we, we can't see results, we think, well, what's the, what's the point? And the work of hospitality, if you do it right, is never finished. You don't do it once and don't do it again. It, it's, it's something you're always doing. So number three, those are our fears. Number three, how do we break free of those fears? How do we break free of those things into the liberty of generosity and hospitality? Listen to me. We are all familiar with gravity, right? Everybody understands gravity and how it's pulling everything down towards the, towards the center of the earth and and to break away from gravity, we've all seen the, the shuttle launches, the rocket launches. It takes an immense amount of energy, an immense amount of energy to break free and thousands upon thousands of pounds of thrust to break free of gravity. Listen to me. There is a psychological force in your life that's just like gravity. And like gravity, that force pulls you inward. It's always saying, no, it's all about you. It's all about self. It's all about your comfort. It's all about your control. That force is constantly pulling us toward the center of our own self and the center of our home. We, you know, I, I love my house. I love the peace that's there. I, I love for my family to come over and my grandkids. And I just love all that. And, and to be honest with you, if it was really up to me, that's, that's all we'd ever do. Just, just get amongst our little, you know, our little clan and just have a blast. You see, the most natural thing in the world is to neglect hospitality. Everybody with me? That's the most, you don't have to do anything. That is the path of least resistance. 
All you have to do is go through life and just give in to that, that force that pulls you into yourself. That's all you got to do. That's as, it's as natural as breathing. And what you'll end up with is a life that is so full of self that there's no room left for hospitality. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It takes choice. It takes purpose. So how do we do it? How do we break free from that inward pull? How do we break free? Here's my fundamental biblical answer, and I love this answer. Jesus Christ died and rose again to make certain that for His children, all that would trust Him, God would be generous and hospitable to us, not only every day of our life, but every day for eternity. Listen to these scriptures, Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? His, he gave His Son for me. How, if, he's, if He's given the most valuable thing He's got, this other stuff is nothing. How will He not give us all this other stuff? Philippians 4.19 says this, My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.8, God is able to make all grace abound to you, listen to this, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, God has promised out of all His supply to give you everything you need to be a generous giver and to, and to be a hospitable Christian. He's promised that to you. He's promised to supply everything you need in order to do that good work. He's done this. Listen, God, listen. I just said it a while ago. God, we were strangers. And God opened His home to us. God opened His family to us. God opened His wallet to us. He has promised to supply everything that we need. And He has done this so that you and I will turn around and share those things with other people. Not that we hoard them. Not that we're greedy. Not that we don't trust Him because we don't have enough. The whole point is to turn around and then share those things with others. Now, how do we do that? Well, listen, it's pretty simple. As with everything in the Christian life, it all starts with a choice. It all starts with a choice. Too many people walking around waiting for God to hit them with a magic wand and turn them into a generous giver. Hit them with a magic wand, turn you into a hospitable Christian. Turn you into a person who can forgive. Turn you into a person who can turn the other cheek. Turn you into a person who can love their enemy. And it starts with a choice. Just a, He's already promised to give you everything you need. But you have to step into it. You have to choose. We, we do something because God asks us to do it. John 14, 15. If you love me, do what I ask you to do. If you love me. Do what I ask you to do. And here's what he's asked you to do. Give to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality. Listen, hospitality will not occur in any significant way in your life or in this church unless we make a choice to give it deliberate attention. It's not, it's not magic. You make a choice. I will do it because he has asked me to. I may have some fears, I may have some reservations, I certainly don't have all the answers, but what I do have is a trust in the God who said that He would provide all my needs. 
He'll do that. And we step out into that. Scripture says, contribute, give to the needs of the saints, pursue hospitality. We choose to do it because He asks us to do it. That's always where you start. Starts with a choice. Starts with believing that He'll provide. Number four, what are the rewards of giving generously and of opening our homes to others? I'm going to give you five things. Number one, the suffering of saints will be relieved or at least diminished. Our, our verse tonight says this, contribute to the what? Needs. A need means that somebody is lacking something. They got a need. You contribute to that need. And in contributing to that need, you lift a burden. Maybe you relieve stress. Maybe you, you give that person hope. You, maybe you don't solve the entire problem. Maybe you can't. But there's a need in their life that we can meet. And in doing that, we, again, go back to that. Their suffering will at least be relieved uh, and, and possibly uh, diminished. Number two, the glory of God is put on display. Matthew five sixteen, Jesus said this, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, when we give generously, when we open our homes, we are putting on the display, putting on for display the goodness and the value and the worth of God. Let me tell you this. God gives us stuff for different reasons, right? He knows we're hungry. He knows we need shelter. He knows we need clothing. He gives us all those things. Didn't he say, if the birds of the air, right? If I take care of them, if the flowers, don't you know I'll take care of you? He knows what we have, what we need of. But there's another reason he gives us things. He gives us money and He gives us homes and He gives us possessions so that by the way we use them, people will see that that is not our God. Let me say that again. He gives us nice things, homes and, 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 and money and possessions. And then the, there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong or what's right is how you use those things. Do you do it to consume them upon your own lust? Or do you use them for the glory of God? And when you use them for the glory of God, what you're saying to the world is those things are not my God. He is. See, how you, how, what you do in our life with our home and our money, those things matter. They matter big time. People can see that God is our treasure. That's where our heart is, not in those things and they see that by the way we use them. Number three, when we give generously and we're hospitable, more thanksgiving to God is unleashed. I was talking to Pastor Henry about this scripture today, 2 Corinthians 9, 12. Paul says this, the ministry of this service, and by the way, he's talking about uh, the church had given an offering. They, they had kind of you know, reached in and, and dug deep and given him an offering. And he said this, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. You see, God gives me money and homes and things. And when he does, I say thank you to God, right? But guess what happens when I take some of that money and I open my home and I give that to other people? Those other people also say what? Thank you, God. Thank you. So when we give, we're actually increasing thanksgiving to God. We, we actually contribute to that. We can make that happen. 
And that is an incredible and wonderful thing. Number four, God's love in us is confirmed. 1 John 3, 17, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? John says there ain't no way. If you have something and you see that brother that has a need and you shut your heart and say, eh, let the government take care of him, let his family take care of him, I, I, I'm not doing that. John says, how in the world can you say the love of God abides in you? How can you say that? You see, when we give generously and we open our homes and we show that things, they're not our God, what we're showing is that we're not like that other person, that the love of God is confirmed in my heart. It shows that we're real and we're not fake. Number five, last thing, it lays up treasure in heaven. Luke 12 said this, Jesus, this is his words, when you give a dinner or you give a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Paul tells us tonight, contribute to the needs of the saints and pursue. <laughs> pursue it. Run after hospitality. We, we should be looking in the body for situations just like that. Where, where's somebody that I can do something for that I'm not looking for anybody to pay me back? We should be looking for those things because we know that we'll be paid at the resurrection of the just. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you as always. You're such a great God. And Lord, I just uh, ask tonight, Holy Spirit, that you take this very practical verse, very practical verse, and you do something miraculous in this body. You just do something miraculous in this body. That this, this body is already an incredible giving body. I, I know that. But I ask you to take it to another level. I, I, take you, I ask you that we do it even more. That, that people will say of us what they said of those uh, Christians in the first century, that they really felt that what belonged to them, they didn't own. God, help people to say that of us. And God, that we open our homes to one another and we, 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 we fellowship and socialize with one another, that we love one another. That this isn't a Lions Club or just some social club that we come to once or twice a week, but God, this is our family. God, help us to be that church. Help us to be that church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.